I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Okay. Um, well, I think uh, the way that I have to start this week's episode is, um, well, I, I got I to gotta make a public apology, I guess. Um, I didn't realize how many of our fans really love their cats. Huh. And uh major oversight on your part. I guess what I said last week about skinning your cat if you show up to our live show with it uh didn't sit well with a lot of our listeners. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, that's uh inclu- surprising. In- including um uh Elliot and Kylie of uh one of my favorite movie podcasts, Bad Dad Rad Dad. And uh, they actually happen to live in Edmonton. And Didn't they offer to put us up while we're there? They're actually putting us up while we're there. Still? Well, um, I got a video from Elliot, which is one of the big reasons why I feel the need to apologize right now for the whole cat debacle from last week. Um, this is what Elliot said. If you fucking touch my cat and try to skin it when you're staying at my house, I'm gonna drug you all in the night, skin each of you, and switch your skins. Wow. And then who will know who's who? Not me. <laughs> I'm really excited that you're coming to stay with us. So yeah, I mean, like even, even though he was really cute there at the end, um, I could see the rage. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just Elliot. Um, I, I got death threats. So um, I, I should have known better because uh, there was that documentary that came out about the guy drowning don't, bags of cats or whatever. And don't fuck with cats. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I think I fu- that was the guy that was chopping people's heads off. He was also doing that. I didn't do that. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. Uh, yeah. I just want to say, if, if, if Elliot did skin us and switched our skins, whose skin would you guys want? I don't want either of your skin. I, I mean, I definitely don't want this guy's skin because, like, waking up with that oil what? would just be no, no, the worst. No, Did you no. warn uh, Elliot about Taylor's? Like, what's the rooming situation? No, there? I didn't. I didn't tell him about how Taylor like changes the humidity in a house when he's when he wakes up. Yeah, but you have to wear less layers in the winter because I've got Oof. I've got a hair layer. So anyway, yeah. uh, I'm sorry. I actually I have I have a cat. Um, uh, Vonnegut and I this love him very too. much and uh, I mean Donut's more of a cat than a dog really 
Um, so I do love cats and I didn't mean that. Uh, and, um, if you are a cat lover, you're actually more than welcome to come to our live show. Tickets are on sale now. Go buy tickets in the, uh, links in the show notes, uh, Edmonton, September 19th and, uh, Vancouver, September 21st. Uh, we can't wait. It's going to be super fun. Uh, I love cats. I think dogs are better, but we'll just leave it at that. I also want to say that um, if you're not watching us on on YouTube, then you're missing out because there was a number of comments that were made about the fact that while you were going off about cats last week, yeah. people, I'm glad that people can see me because they were noticing that I was sort of sitting there in shock and disdain at the things that you were saying. Yeah. And they were like, Brian is not cool with this. Yeah. And while I am a dog person... You know, I, I, yeah, I was, I was mildly offended yeah. at what you said. So I'm glad you apologized. And Jared. even though, and, and even though I may have said that if, that we're anti cat and if, and if, and if, and, and if you are a cat lover that we're anti you, even though I might have said that, it was said under duress. I was <laughs> saying that because of the way that Jeremy was looking at me while he was saying that. And I felt very threatened. So I said that. Um, out of fear and uh, yeah. as uh, you know and Jeremy's apologized I'm not sure how sincere his apology is or what it means that or not but I I didn't mean it ever in the first place I didn't think you did either I, I could tell that yeah yeah you're being very genuine yeah and yeah. you could tell by YouTube from YouTube you know if you go if you're looking watching on YouTube you know but I was I was very you know I was very afraid how funny would it be if we showed up to our live shows out west with uh, merch that were just like dead cats <laughs> I can make a dead cat shirt. <laughs> we could definitely test it out to oh, yeah. see how funny it would be. <laughs> Skinned cat. Uh, you guys want to hear something fucking bonkers? Uh, <laughs> we should have a shirt that says, I got my cat skinned at a sick boy show. <laughs> uh, yes. That sounds naughty for some reason. Um, uh, this is a crazy story coming out of the New York Times. So so uh, you guys know what a doppelganger is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, th- I mean, this isn't, we're not getting into uh, twin territory here, but we're getting kind of close. We love Hold twins. on, before we get into we doppelganger do. territory, uh, who, 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 what famous person do people say is your doppelganger? You know, do you ever get that? I do, yeah, and I never, I never understood it. Well, no, I mean, you can never get what people say. I, I you know what I mean? Like, when someone says you look like somebody... Your natural reaction is always going to be, oh, I don't see it, because you find yourself yeah. to be the most unique person. I don't is, mean you I don't think people think I look like him. I think it's people think that I I give off like some sort of air that is like similar to him. It's the guy I, I forget his name, the guy from New Girl. The guy from New oh, Girl. Oh yeah, that's right. I've heard people say that to you actually. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> yeah, that that dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I oftentimes get Brad Pitt. I mean, I don't really see it, but. Yeah. It's hilarious because your your identical twins twin brothers doppelganger is Matt Damon, yeah. but not yours. Yeah. Um. You know what I always got growing up? Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, was uh was um Chris Pontius. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> yeah, I see that too. Actually. Yeah. Um. Well, your doppelganger is out there, and uh, you probably share DNA with them. I actually do. Um, this yeah. is, and this is not twins. So, uh, <laughs> that person who looks just like you is not your twin, but if scientists compared your genomes, they might find a lot in common. So this is, uh, here are some p- photos. This was uh, part of a photographer's, uh, project, uh, Francois Brunel. Uh, the project is called, I'm not a lookalike. So here's the first one. These guys not related. No. 
kind of wild. Related. They look very related. Very. Yeah. Um, these two ladies, not related. I don't see much of her. Well, I mean, I definitely do. Yeah, yeah. yeah me too. Yeah. This one here, not related. Although I do feel like these guys could date. <laughs> I, you know, like, I feel like the I you know what I feel like they I feel like they actually kind of fucked up on this pair and they were like when they actually got them into a room together, they went, Oh wow, they actually don't look very much alike. Let's get them to take their shirts off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, they yeah. have a very similar like yeah. like like waist to yeah. neck. So uh, these these pictures are not identical twins. Um, they are some of the subjects in Francois Burnell's photography project, quote, I am not a lookalike. Uh, which features portraits of hundreds of unrelated lookalikes. It gained popularity online and caught the attention of scientists who study genetic relationships. In a new study, Dr. Menel Esteller, a researcher in Barcelona, Barcelona. Uh, and his team recu- recruited 32 pairs of lookalikes from Brunel's photographs to take DNA tests and complete questionnaires about their lifestyles. The researchers used facial recognition software to quantify the similarities between the participants' faces. 16 of those 32 pairs achieved similar um, overall scores to identical twins analyzed by the same software. Whoa, that's crazy. Did it, did it say how they found the pairs? Um, I don't, I don't know how, how he actually like brought these people together. It, this that, sounds like that would be crazy. It like, I know that we just did the, this episode about ADHD and like thinking about the steps mm. involved, like in, in a certain thing overwhelms me and saying that there's like, there's likely somebody who looks like you out there in the world yeah. and then having to try to find and photograph that person yeah. is such an overwhelming endeavor to me it sounds and the fact that they did like over a hundred pairs of people and also my my brain also would be like you know you find like two people who are like pretty similar but then you're like fuck like is there but you know there's almost eight billion people on the planet like is there a better match out there it's a good thing you didn't do (laughs) like these guys there's no better match yeah, they're great. Like these guys, it, it's, the first it's guys, wild. Yeah. It is yeah. pretty nuts. Yeah, you know what's funny is you could almost not quite, but you could almost put our friend Andrew O'Coin in there. And yeah, he would also uh, yeah, kind of look it. a little bit like those guys. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> so um, the researchers then compared the DNA of those those sixteen pairs that were like uh, matching up as as similarly to identical twins, um, and uh, they compared the DNA of these sixteen pairs of doppelgangers to see if their DNA was similar was as similar as their faces. Dr. Esteller found that the 16 pairs who were true, quote, true lookalikes, shared significantly more of their genes than the other 16 pairs that the software deemed less similar. These people really look alike because they share important traits or parts of the genome or the DNA sequence, he said. That people who look more alike have more genes in common would seem like common sense, but never has it been shown, he added. Right. However, DNA alone doesn't tell the whole story of our makeup. Our lived experiences and those of our ancestors influence which of, uh, uh, influence which of our genes are switched on or off. Mm-hmm. What scientists call our epige- epigenome. It's, a, it's crazy because like it, it does, when that sentence, like it, <laughs> it would seem that this is common sense to some extent. Yeah. Like it, it does seem that way when you first think of, Think about it, but it also feels like there's so overwhelmingly like so many different combinations. So here, so there's a really interesting part about why we may potentially be seeing this now. But like to boil it down, if, if you think of like eye color, you know, like there's yeah. 
like certain parts of your genetics that like determine or certain part that like determines the color of your eyes. And like, you know, there's only so many potential options for eye color. So you can like, you know, if you have brown eyes and somebody else has brown eyes, then you're like, eyes are like twins. Yes. Yeah. Doppelganger eyes. Yeah. So, so again, they were saying that, that, um, it's not just the DNA that tells the whole story of our makeup. Um, you've got, uh, our lived experiences, uh, of, and those of our ancestors, um, our microbiome, uh, our microscopic co-pilot made up of bacteria, fungi, and viruses is further influenced by our environment. Dr. Steller found that while doppelganger genomes were similar, their epigenomes and microbiomes were very different. Genetics put them together and epigenetics and microbiome pulls them apart, he says. Mm-hmm. Um, this discrepancy tells us that the pair's similar appearances have more to do with their DNA than with the, the environments that they grow up in. And that surprised Dr. Steller, who had expected to see a bigger environmental influence. Because the doppelganger's appearances are more attributable to shared genes than shared life experience, it means that, to some extent, their similarities are just the luck of the draw, spurred on by population growth. They are, they are after all, uh, only so, there are, after all, only so many ways to build a face. So right, he said, yeah. quote, now that there are so many people in the world, that the system is repeating itself. Mm. So, so we've, we've gotten to a population size where it's just going to become more and more common that there's <laughs> going to be more and more people that look more and more similar to us because it's like the story's been written as many times as it can be written. You know what it's and like? now it's just going to be continuously written the same, the same way over and over and it, over again. It's like, it's, it's sort, of, it's sort of like if you just kept on extrapolating. So imagine the scenario where humans never go extinct and the earth never, and the earth never you know, becomes swallowed up by the sun sure, in yeah. a billion years. And let's just say that it just goes on and on and on forever and we just keep on replicating and population growth and whatever. And let's say that's all possible. Then eventually you get to like a similar type of place. You'd get to a similar type of place with people as, as uh, we have theoretically gotten to with the like many worlds um, or like infinite worlds theory where, where you exist infinite times over in every single circumstance. Just think of uh, everything everywhere. All yeah. Once. The multiverse. Yeah, there's, there is an infinite number of you and because there's infinite and it never ends anything you could possibly think of happening in your life is happening somewhere out in the number, infinite number of universes yeah. that are occurring. So every possible iteration and, and trying to wrap your head around that is so mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah. It's overwhelming. And it makes me think about how much easier this project would be now when you compare it relatively to that yeah. fucking yeah. Did we thing. just come up with a strategy for you? Yeah, that is like so, thinking yeah. about the more overwhelming thing. And then suddenly the yes. thing that was previously overwhelming isn't so overwhelming. <laughs> and what's all. it like? Shooting with a weighted puck. It's a fucking hockey reference for the win. That's annoying. All right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, were you done your point? Well, I was just, you know, yeah, they, but at, you're, we're on our way. Yeah. We're, we're on our way to replicating yeah. so many yeah. times that, and, and do you think that's sort of trippy for genetics? Like is genetics going, holy fuck. <laughs> you know, if, if genetics could speak, are they going, holy shit. We've like almost reached the end of the iterations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting that like that, this didn't really surprise the scientist, but he was like, but we've never actually known this yeah. to be like, it, yeah. like 
like we assume this, but we, we assume didn't. it in theory. Yeah, or, or theory suggests that this is <laughs> yes. that this is the case, but yeah. we haven't really because proof. because it's like taking a piece of a blade of grass in a field and picking every other blade of grass until you find one that looks yeah. exactly the same. Now, now, if you if you were a part of this project and you met your doppelganger and like the, and you know you looked as similar as you do like like these two do, do you think you'd be compelled to like? I mean, maybe not you because you already have an identical twin, but like, do you, do you think that you'd be compelled to want to hang out with that? But like, be like, I want you to be in my life. This is so crazy to me. Well, here's the thing. And, and, and this is interesting because I think this is just a perspective thing and it's just how we see reality and the way that we perceive, you know, images mm. with our eyes and our brains, mm -hmm. how our brains interpret what we see is that when you say that you could slot Andrew coin in there, yeah. you said, yeah. And I was like, uh, those two people, they might go, I get what you mean, but I don't think I look like that person. If these guys think they don't look like each other, <laughs> right, they, I, uh, they, yeah. they might have um, visual impairment. I get it, but, you, but, but, it's a, but it's a perspective thing. And I think that yeah. you probably have this more than anybody else because you have somebody who looks exactly You're like you. You're pointing at me, yeah. I'm pointing at Brian. Yeah. And because yeah. like you, but just because you have somebody that looks exactly like you, quote unquote, I don't think so, but I mean, most people. I mean, I think that. Dennis and I look alike. Yeah, right. you definitely yeah. look very much alike. But you have such a unique. But you, but you're see different your, people. You yeah. see yourself as such a unique individual, and so and so one off, mm. even though genetically you're not. That you that it, it can be hard for somebody to even recognize similarities. Even when they're striking. Right. Yeah, but Jerry, I can play this game with you because uh, like, I have a twin, but if we found somebody who was found like, a, looked yeah, like a like triplet a, to us... A triplet us, doppelganger. I yeah. would be... Yeah, I'd want to... I'd be yeah. I'd be like, yeah, like I feel like based on what you look like, maybe we've had, we have some things in, totally. in, in, in common and therefore I want... Like I feel a connection yeah. to you immediately. I would feel How, connected. Like, I think Matt Damon looks more like Dennis than you look like Dennis. That's crazy. And... Uh, and that and, is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You might right, have exactly, impairment. but that's what I'm saying is that that's a perspective and and Dennis doesn't see that, you don't see that, you don't see that. I see that, but I'm saying that you put two people that look What do you very see? Much like alike. what does your red look like, dude? Like like when you when you see color, what are you fucking seeing? I mean, there's no red at all in this room. Well, that's yeah, that uh, there's you're wrong big time. Wrong. <laughs> I've just like 1 2 3 nope. 4 5 six, Zero seven, red. Yeah. Well, um uh Here's a here's I, an, here's I, an, here's another interesting thought, a little funny thing. How trippy is it that they just happen to find people that like I'm guessing are probably somewhat similar in age. But if yeah, this is the case, yeah. there's like and and this makes me think about Hudson. Hudson could be my doppelganger because your nephew, yeah. My nephew because if you if you go to my Instagram right now and you look at like the the latest photo that I put up of me and my my nephew, we do look very much alike. Me as a fucking 34-year-old adult and him as a six-year-old boy. But, like, when he's 34, how much, like, me is he going to look? You know, like, will, like, could it be that he just happens to be my actual doppelganger, just a bit younger? That would be crazy. But also you share, younger? but it would kind of make sense because you shared yes, DNA, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other interesting thing I was thinking that would suck, and this is getting into the superficial and, like, you know, uh, the caveat to this is, like, looks aren't everything obviously but like wouldn't it be 
Um, there are a lot really though. annoying that it, if you met your doppelganger and they were just like you know like five percent more handsome than you oh i'd be so annoyed would like, just well, be I mean, like well, a bit well, of a I mean, bummer you could, you could look at these two guys and and say one of them is more handsome than the other slightly but that's his perspective that's uh, just perspective no 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 it's 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 it's, it's a reality. It's a shared reality. It's, it, it's an objective reality. <laughs> it's not, though. It is, though. It's not. Well, it is, though. Steve Lund is more handsome than all three of us put together to anybody. Like, and, and anybody who doesn't, anybody who doesn't agree with that is right. visually impaired. But that's, an, but that's an extreme example because Steve is, 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 in, a, is in like a, a very small percentage of people that look like that. that but my girlfriend that, told that, me that, that I'm more handsome than him. Uh... That's very nice of you, Maddie. <laughs> That's very, very nice, very but if you put people to, that look that, that stand next to each other and, and look, and I didn't look, believe and look it. Very, if you if you took somebody like if you took somebody like uh, like dude, Steve looks a lot like Jim Carrey. They look very they look very like I don't see it. And you could put them, you have a weird dude, you got a you got a weird perception dude, of what people look crazy. like. That's crazy. You could put Jim Carrey and Steve Lund next to each other, and then it would be just a perspective thing about who's who's. You know, more more good looking. You know what's really funny though is like I know you're saying this about the perspective thing, but I bet you, I guarantee you, actually, that if you met your doppelganger and you guys looked as similar as these two look to each other, you'd you'd be fucking them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, I'm so into, I, you're I want, so into yourself that what? you just fuck, what you'd fuck that guy. What are you talking until about? He couldn't walk anymore. You'd break his back. Um, <laughs> All right. I'm so into <laughs> myself. Let's move on. Uh, this is coming from uh, our good friend down in Salem, uh, Mel. Big shout out, Mel. Thank you. You get producer of the week this week. Um, and you could get producer of the week, too. Come on over to our Discord and uh, join the conversation over there. And you can uh, contribute to things that we read on our Feel Good Friday episodes. Uh, do you guys know what BV is? Uh, yes, that's the thing that makes your vagina smell. Uh, that yeah, that's in it can yeah, it's called bacteria bac- vaginosis. Bacterial vaginosis, right. yeah, that's right. So, um, uh, this can is an interesting article regarding BB. Nation's first vaginal fluid transplants offer hope for millions. Oh, crazy! Wow. Hold on, did we? Uh, what did we? What did we cover that was totally insane recently about doing something to your vagina? Uh. That I feel steaming like had it to or do sunning it. <laughs> no, we didn't talk about that. It wasn't but steam- people do too. It wasn't that. steaming it. What was that? That we were we just covered that. Some person had some like whack thing that you could do. Oh, it was rubbing your uh, oh, ra- rubbing fluids. R- rubbing your fucking juices oh, on your yeah, neck dabbing. or something like. Perfume. Sorry, vabbing, vabbing, vabbing. vabbing. Right. vabbing. <laughs> this is very different from vabbing. <laughs> very, very, very different. <laughs> vabbing not necessary. This could pretty necessary. necessary. Yeah, very necessary. At any given moment, almost one in three women in the U.S. has BV. Whoa. And the numbers are even higher for certain groups. More than 50% of African-American women have the condition. BV has been linked to serious long-term health issues, and yet for many people, medicine does not have a good treatment. But now there's new hope. Uh, This uh, summer, Massachusetts General Hospital started performing the first vaginal fluid transplants in the U.S., after years of delay, the hope is that this study will offer insight that can help as, um, an estimated 21 million Americans from teenagers to middle-aged women who have BV. If it's that common, um, like what, what is, what is the, is it, is there like a spectrum of how intense it can affect someone? Because I think like, I obviously, like, I don't know anything about this, which is why, you know, I had that sort of stigma or stereotype that like, or the only thing I could remember about it is like, oh, it can make your vagina 
vagina smell. Yeah, so so BV specifically happens when the natural bacteria in the v- vagina gets out of out of whack, out of balance. Okay. And with that, for some people, there can be discharge. There can be really intense odor. Um, it can sometimes be itchy. Uh, one woman named Jade um, has been grappling with BV for years, and her attempts to get rid of BV. Um, she tried medications, over-the-counter products, uh, holistic treatments. She's tried to change her diet, changing her soap, uh, changing the feminine products that she uses. She said, quote, I tried everything and it's just so uncomfortable. Her experience of having BB return just weeks after treatment is super common. Um, the standard medical treatment, which is antibiotics, has been unchanged for 40 years. Yet one month after taking antibiotics, there's a 40 to 60% chance that BB will come back. Wow. So it's one of those things where a lot of people like they get it and they literally like it takes them for fucking ever to get rid of it. It's wild how common it is. Yeah. Yeah, And and you'd think, well, we were talking about this earlier on uh, on the on like the on the penis flip side of how like there's how how um, you you mentioned somebody who you ran into that was like, Mm. hey, I heard your episode on Famosis. Yeah. I'm 40. Yeah. Just got circumcised a few weeks ago. I'll tell you the story later. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I said to Jared, "Wow, it, it's crazy how how like how that experience really like encapsulates a, a men's stigmatized issues with like with gen with their I mean with health in general, but specifically with their junk with their junk, and how this is sort of the uh, I feel that I'm getting like the same vibe from this." On if you you know like that that there's thirty percent of females have this yeah that's a gigantic number yeah for me not to be aware of that given it affects so many people yeah speaks to the stigmatized nature the heavily heavily stigmatized nature of it yeah because if you don't know about it but even on that many people are dealing with it even on top of that note. I think that I think what's more important about this is tying back into that conversation that we've had so many times on the podcast before, which mm-hmm. is that when it comes to women's health mm-hmm. and research going towards yeah. women's health, there is such a lack of of like funding, of interest, of a push forward for treating women's specific health related issues mm-hmm. because of the like, you know, misogynistic um tendencies that happen to like plague the medical community which is which is emphasized by the fact that like the antibiotics <laughs> that they're prescribing for 40 are, years for 40 years Just that are fucking, fucking doing anything. not you know like very ineffective exactly. yeah for a large part of people that's um, insane uh it says here quote the fact that there hasn't been a new treatment is infuriating as a healthcare provider and as a woman said caroline mitchell director of the mgh uh volvo vaginal disorders program Mitchell and her patients often describe antibiotics as temporary relief rather than treatment, and the problem is deeper than the immediate discomfort. BV is associated with a lot of serious health issues regardless of whether the person experiences any symptoms. So it's linked to preterm birth. It's linked to higher risk of acquiring HIV or other sexually transmitted infections. It's linked to the persistence of human uh, papillomavirus, HPV, and uh, progression to cervical, uh, cervical precancer, it seems to also be associated with infertility. And it, it impacts more than just the individual because we're talking about, you know, someone's uh, vagina and, and everything that goes into 
that you know being that, a person that, that part uses of the body that mm-hmm. uh, like really sexual strike, identity yeah and, it strikes the yeah. core at the core of people's relationships it makes them feel uncomfortable with intimacy with their partner makes them feel ashamed um so what is this vaginal fluid transplant well it's uh take fluid from a happy vagina <laughs> and put it into an unhappy vagina. That's it. Uh, the science behind it is all about bacteria. So every person has trillions of bacteria living in, uh, on and in their body. In most parts of the body, like the gut, having a lot of different types of bacteria is a good thing. But in the vagina, it's really that simplicity is better, said Mitchell. Uh, what she wants to see under the microscope is just one type of bacterium dominating, and it's called lactobacillus crispitus. Uh, and some within the scientific community have nicknamed it the quote superhero of the vagina. Uh, I thought that was my nickname, but um, anyway, we'll move right on. <laughs> hey, uh, it's not the same as lactobacilli in things like dairy products or like, uh, you know, sour beers and stuff like that. Um, or is it, it's also not similar to the one that we was found in the gut. Uh, Michelle said the type of the vagina, uh, the type found in the vagina is totally different. And she credits it with, quote, creating this very stable, peaceful, calm environment inside the vagina. Um, Nobody really knows how that special power works, but Mitchell thinks it comes from the fact that this type of bacteria makes lactic acid, which keeps the vagina relatively acidic. And scientists have discovered that this environment is also correlated with less inflammation. So when looking at HIV, researchers found that the virus moves more slowly in an acidic environment and when there's less inflammation, there are fewer targets for the virus. Huh, crazy. Um, but it's been really hard to study the, the superhero. As far as experts can tell, no animal besides humans have a vagina dominated by lactobacillus. Mm-hmm. So not baboons, not chimpanzees, not mice. And so that makes it really hard to do and actually impossible to do animal studies. So do you guys, the, the testing has to happen in humans. Do you guys think that, um, like, I'm just thinking of ideas for a YouTube thumbnail for this. Do you think it would be cool if we had us flying as superheroes out of a vagina, um, on the thumbnail flagged? I say, go for it. Do you guys guys just want to like do whatever on YouTube, even (laughs) if we get in trouble? Might as well. I mean, mean, might as well. I feel like we've got a, I feel like we've got a few violations that we could burn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, mate, we've been burning a few actually. Before we get tossed. Yeah. Um, so uh does it, it maybe it doesn't say there. If it does, then let me know. Uh but I'm assuming that they probably have to like do some sort of uh it's a turkey baster. Scraping isn't the right word. No, it's a turkey some type baster. Of, some, t- some type of well, I mean, if pr- there probably is something. There probably it probably is something similar to that, I would imagine. But um that they would have to get rid of the old bacteria. Like they'd have to do something that like eliminates the stuff that's the, what's there. Um, and then, and then basically replace it with what they want it to proliferate. Not even. Um, so um, Mitchell has a team of vaginal fluid donors who insert a menstrual cup uh, at night and come by the lab in the morning and drop off the liquid that's been collected. They are screened for all kinds of infections. Obviously they can't travel to places where the Zika virus is common, yada, yada, whatever. Uh, they also have to abstain from sex and avoid um, any stray sperm sneaking into the donation. Um, after months of painstakingly collecting the fluid, one tiny donation at a time, the actual transplant is easy. No operating room, no scalpels needed. Quote, we just use an eyedropper and we do a speculum exam. With the eyedropper, just put the fluid into the vagina. We have the person lay there for 15 minutes. 
Boom. That's it. Oh, wow. So they don't have to get rid of anything that's there already. You're just adding in this bacteria, this good bacteria, this happy bacteria that's into the unhappy place. And it ju- yeah. And it just like, well, exactly. Dominant. You know, it reminds me of, um, uh, I was listening to uh, the Tim Ferriss uh, podcast with Dr. Andrew Weil. I, I mentioned this last week, but uh, he was saying that one of the indicators of, of uh, people or one of the biggest impacts on somebody who's living a depressed life, one of the best things you can do is live in a in a close radius to a friend of yours who perceivedly lives a positive and happy life, and that can actually make an impact mm. on how long depression. There's like a correlation to how cool. long your depression will last. I mean, and that makes sense. Like if you're just hanging around with a bunch of fucking sad ass people, totally. And it's said yeah. if like, you're, you're watching sad be, movies, if yeah. you're wa- listening to sad music, then it's easy uh-huh. for you to stay in that state of mind. I wonder and if so- that's why I'm constantly terrified. Because I just watch scary movies. Probably. I'm constantly scared. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what the <laughs> fuck was that? Sorry. But Sorry, what were you saying? You live <laughs> in close proximity to me, which helps keep you somewhat balanced. Right. Yeah, you'd be fucked otherwise. Because I'm, I'm, I'm living that positivity vibe. So that's basically yeah. like the bacteria, good bacteria goes in, and it's like, hey, why are you guys all down in here? And then yeah. it cheers up. Yeah. It like raises the mood of the vagina. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So um, good, uh, anyway. Yeah, good. Yeah. You're drawing some good correlations there, Brian. Yeah. Uh, so very cool. Thanks, Mel. That was a, I loved that article. I thought it was very interesting. And um, uh, here's to hoping that this becomes that, that the, you know, again, this is in like the testing phase. Yeah. Um, the, a trial. Um, I, but I, hopefully this becomes kind of the norm. It, it is mind boggling to think of like the far reaching. <laughs> it's like, it, I think you can think you could, you could, you could reduce it and think of it as like, oh, there's like a, oh, there's like this kind of bacteria. And, but, but then, once you actually think about once you kind of start to pull the thread of the real real world implications of like what this could make a person feel like oh my god you know change your life you know and and like that, bv 30% yeah. and for some uh, people bv is like, truly like just i mean you want to talk about getting depressed like it just fucks you up yeah, like it just really leaves you it leaves is there you, i wonder uh, if there's a a penis equivalent um like something that yeah just probably just not cleaning your dick and like like yeah, but I mean something that's not self. But that's not. But but that wouldn't be because like BV is not. It has nothing to do with no, like it, how you. That's what I mean. No, it doesn't. But I was just thinking about yeah. you guys with your with your uncut um with your uncut snuffleupagus. Yeah. Well, you, well, you tend to learn that it needs attention. Yeah, it's like when you yeah. shower, you know, on a. Yeah. I get my attention. I don't need to give it that kind of attention though, because. Well, I have a special uncut. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also, I just want to say, I feel bad that I thought it was a turkey baser that they use. I mean, it is, it, but, it, but, but it, it is, is like a dropper. really tiny Yeah, it's a really baser. tiny yeah. one. Yeah, a little, little baby. Yeah. Like, no need to go in with a big motherfucker. Hey, uh, yeah. here's a, here, I, you guys probably saw this, but um, if you haven't seen it, Nova Scotia reports first known case of poxy McPoxface. Poxy <laughs> So the province is reporting Nova Scotia's first confirmed case of poxy McPoxface. Uh, the Department of Health and Wellness says the person contracted the virus outside of the province and uh, started showing symptoms after they returned. Since then, public health officials have only identified one low-risk contact. Poxy McPoxface cases have been reported in other Canadian jurisdictions, but the risk of exposure remains low, said Chief uh, Medical Officer Dr. Robert Daddy Strang. Strang. Uh, he said, quote, Nova Scotia is working closely with the Public Health Agency of Canada to monitor the situation here and across the country. The province is also working with the federal government to increase a supply of poxy McPox face vaccine. 
Uh, right now, we have a, quote, very small allotment of 160 doses. That is reserve, uh, reserving for, for those at the highest risk of infection, um, like con- close contacts of confirmed cases. Uh, pox face is uh, spread through very close, intimate person-to-person contact. Health officials say this includes sexual activity, direct contact with pox face sores, uh, inhaling respiratory droplets from the coughs or sneezes of an infected person, and contact with contaminated items like bedding or clothing. It generally takes between 5 and 21 days for initial symptoms, like fever, chills, swollen lip nodes, headache, muscle pain, joint pain, back pain, and exhaustion, to appear after the exposure to the virus. Mm. Yeah, you definitely don't want those uh, sores kicking around. Oh, boy. I saw a photo. I actually meant to tee it up, but I forgot to put it on here. I saw a photo of uh, a gentleman from the date of um, July 1st to August 12th. And Oh, like a progression? Yeah. Holy frig. Yeah. It looks so painful. Yeah, you don't want no part of that. Yeah. And, and it looks like it's like definitely going to like, it'll scare you up. Like, you know, yeah, probably. Yeah. Do you guys, pretty, do you guys have, hard. um, uh, like viral disease fatigue now? Like after like post COVID, like talking about things like, like poxy pox face, like it, <laughs> is it, um, is it know. something that you're like, oh fuck. Like do my whole life has been a viral disease. Yeah, fucking yeah. Like fear. I don't. And I hope that people don't because it's important because it's important. And yeah. like, if you don't, if you don't know, yeah. like, you know, if you, if you go, uh, I don't want to deal with this again, then, well, you might just not really know how, how, yeah. that, how it spreads around. And then you won't be able to do the things that you might have done yeah. to prevent yourself from, from acquiring such a virus. Yeah. And, uh, and then that's not good for anybody. Good answer. Just, good answer. Good good yeah. So, answer. you know, you don't, uh, yeah. so even though it has been fucking horrific to deal with this shit for the last three years and, and because of COVID, we're going to be more like this shit is going to hit the news oh, yeah. way faster than it yeah, would yeah, have, yeah. you know, before COVID because it's, uh, you know, we live in a, at least for the next, probably, probably for the next decade, we're going to live in a world that's defined in a lot of ways by COVID. Yeah. And COVID. Cause of all those labs, the, the <laughs> uh, pandemic made being a public health official, a much more difficult job. Oh my because God. Yeah. One I mean, year having to communicate. You could say much more difficult. You'd also say much more interesting. You know I mean? Dr. Yeah. Strang before this, all this shit, all he was doing was fucking putting up those smoking posts, like in three <laughs> spots across the city and just got dumped on for it. It'd you be know? much more challenging because you're, because you're so much more public facing and the more, yeah. the moment you get more public facing, I mean, you could say that there's a positive aspect to that where there's more accountability because like you are more yes. public facing, but then the, the, the amount that that public facing part of your job drains from your ability to do this, the actual work yeah. of your job that is yeah. just communicating to the public. Yeah. Or the way it distracts you in the sense that like you, you know, like in Dr. Strang's case, like rock star status, you know, where yeah. you're like constantly signing boobs and kissing babies yep. and yep. fucking, you know, yeah. that whole thing. Yeah. I mean, you can only sign so many titties before your wrist gets, before you start to get yeah, carpal yeah. tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you should have him on about his wrist <laughs> carpal tunnel. Here's an article. This article, um, this is hard to talk about. And this, this is, um, I mean, this is something that we'll probably be talking about uh, in a future routine checkup episode. But um, may, they, in this article, it's a Forbes article, and they, 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 um, 
They're specifically talking about the made uh, medical assistance and dying mm-hmm. laws here in Canada. And um, for people who don't know, the legislation of made is uh, it's gone. It's it's been changing. Uh, it's been evolving over the last few years. Um, I believe twenty twenty one. Sometime in twenty twenty one was the the last time that there was a big shift. A new shift, a new evolution of of the legislation is coming up in March of 2023. Mm. And there's a lot of people um, who are really not okay with and uncomfortable with the way that uh, MADE is is kind of like headed. Mm -hmm. Uh, We sort of covered a little bit of this when we were speaking about the woman in Toronto who applied for MADE because of her long COVID. And she just can't afford to live anymore because she can't work. And there's no... um, there's no support. There's no social supports in, in place for her. Um, mm. And it's looking like that's going to be a go ahead. Um, so this like first made was like sick <coughs> and now made is getting a little bit. It's getting a little yeah. bit sick. sick. I mean, this yeah. is like this is. And that's how I feel about it. I personally, I, I don't really yeah. I don't really vibe with where this is going. Um, I think that it is. Uh, and again, I'll get into it in the article here. I think that that made highly important, but I also don't think that it should be used <laughs> as a excuse to not provide yeah. the services that people need to have a, a quality of life. And, and this mm-hmm. is the thing that, I mean, you, you can draw a comparison to, uh, you know, to, to, to a ton of legal issues. If we're like, just to reduce it to a legal thing, as like a, like a part of legislature that where people go, um, where people go, Hey, I am opposed to this, not necessarily because of the form that it takes now, but the door, the legal doors that it opens once the first door is opened, mm. what other doors are then presented, and are we going to like the series of the series of of things that come after this as a result of opening this door? Yeah, it's like the unintended consequences. Totally, that, yeah. That and, and I and I and and you know, I again, like I think we're all in agreement. We we were we were big. We're big fans of Made, and it's sort of like in its original, and not that that the original version of it was rock solid and yeah. didn't need improvement or anything it did and uh, but but um you know you can start to see how th- as this progresses people that were opposed to it in the first place are going hey like look at look mm-hmm. yeah like we this is this is a part of what we were uh, we didn't want like it's what interesting we were of happening it's interesting though when you hear stories of how the legislation impacts people on an individual level so like i mean first we heard audrey parker's story and Mm -hmm. like from her perspective um and what she's sort of shone a light on for us was like how amazing this was how an amazing how amazing of an opportunity this was for her to die with dignity yeah i mean she also had her she also had her issues with it totally you know like 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 she would have liked to have lived yes longer longer. because one of the things was that you had to be of sound mind when you yeah. ended ended your life and did, so did i tell you brian that i uh after rich's show the other night uh we saw rich O'Coin at the short club last week which was fucking awesome ruled. and uh after the show when we were all walking down to the beach i was talking to a a, a, a gal who's a doc and she provides maid yeah cool you did say that actually and, uh, it was really interesting cool um yeah, go ahead, Jer. Uh, yeah, so so this is a Forbes article. It's a it's an article that came out of the United States, and uh, basically, um, they this is the title of it: Canada's new made laws carry upsetting Nazi era echoes, warns experts. 
Uh, they also use euthanasia, but I, I've just I've switched euthanasia laws with maid laws. Um, uh, Canada's extremely liberal maid laws, which next year are set to be extended to include people suffering from mental illness conditions and potentially minors, have been slammed for being reminiscent of the way that Nazis dealt with people with disabilities by a leading academic in the field. In an article published by the Associated Press last week, Tim Stainton, director of the Canadian Institute for Inclusion and Citizenship at the University of British Columbia, said the country's uniquely permissive made laws were, quote, probably the biggest existential threat to disabled people since the Nazi program in Germany in 1930s. The AP article additionally detailed the story of a 61-year-old Alan Nichols, who had a history of hearing loss and depression, and according to Nichols' uh, brother, was unlawfully put to death by the Canadian state in 2019. Though Nichols, though Nichols' family cited a pitiful lack of oversight and gross negligence on behalf of the medical professionals treating him, the uh, Canadian Mounted Police, and in conjunction with British Columbia's health ministry, declined to bring forth any criminal charges. Yeah, I, I don't want to like oversimplify what we're talking about here, but um, but basically, so that people have an idea going into this, the um, extending made to people who live with mental illnesses is its intent. The government's intent in doing that is to provide access for people who are suffering mm -hmm. to end their lives if they so choose to. But the, the argument that this article is making is basically saying without trying to provide people adequate resources yeah. to prevent themselves from suffering in the first place, you're actually just offering them an opportunity to yeah. end their own life and without it's, helping. It's not them. just people with mental illness. This is all, we're also talking about people with, disabilities with physical and, disabilities. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, the, you know, the point here is that accessibility is in most cases that precious ethos and lifeblood, which allows people with disabilities to, to thrive as functioning members of society. Yet within this sphere, uh, unfettered accessibility could indeed prove to be one of the most malignant forces the disability community has to contend with since the, quote, mercy killings of the Third Reich almost nine decades ago. Uh, Dr. Ramona Coelho, uh, a Canadian family physician, told the AP, the whole premise of the legislation is built on a discriminatory, discriminatory approach to people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. uh, most Canadians think that this is a service of compassion offered for people who have nothing left to be to be offered and are being offered death as a way out. When in fact, the system is being applied so liberally and so easily in such a short time period that people are dying who would have recovered with greater care and resources to live. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's becoming so easy to just end your life. And that's a that's an easier way out than to just be given the access to the shit that could potentially give you a long-lasting, healthy, thriving, enjoyable life. And, and it's because, you know, Canada just isn't willing to step I, up and fucking make those, those choices to, to support. I think that's an incredibly profound and important point to make. The one thing that challenges me about this article is the comparison to the Nazis um, and, and what they did. It might, I be, understand it might be a little bit sensational in order to mm -hmm. in order to get to more prove reader, a point and, and get I, more readers. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it I think it is, but it's just hard to hear that because I do believe that the intent in what I believe that the the government's intent and you know call me naive for believing this, but I believe the intent is pure, but probably misguided and ill informed, mm -hmm. um, and with you know 
advocacy work like this and people shining a light on mm-hmm. the sort of unintended consequences that we referenced before, I believe that this I mean, can change. Somebody's so the, the 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 average person's uh, capacity to to make comparisons to Nazi Germany in 2022 is it's a it's a it's a touch liberal yeah it's a it's yeah. a little yeah. easy for people to make that 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 correlation these days um but, but but i mean like just to and and you know just to kind of throw in another um opinion here about that i agree with everything you just said but as someone who you know lives with a disability if i was in a position where i felt like the country i lived in uh would rather see me end my life so it, instead of offer me the 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 resources that I need to actually live a life with dignity right i i, w- I would kind of look at it like but it is okay like i can i i see where you i see now where you see how i fit into your society mm-hmm. but I'm it worthless. is i don't ha- i don't have worth you don't want me to be a, a part of this but it is you like know? i mean again that we're I mean, this is and again this is why this is so fucking we're going to dig this is it's it's hard to dig in it's hard i don't want to necessarily dig down this deep but like yeah but it is it is an intent it is an intent thing like i think the people that yes. are doing this no 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 of course they're not approaching it in the in that way which is where the which is where the nazi thing yes. doesn't really fit yes you know what i mean like the, i don't think that that's the intention of of the decisions that are being made in in the evolution of made it's just it's it's taking one step at a time and it's like the last step makes the next step easier. But I mean, and, I'm like, and, 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 and that's where it's come to. And I think that, that isn't what t- Tim didn't say. I mean, like the, the, the article title said that, but what Tim Stanton said, he said, he didn't say this is reminiscent of Nazi Germany. He said, this is probably the biggest existential threat to disabled people right, yeah. since and I, and I would say, yeah. and, I would say that that's, that's, and I would say that there that, that you know you have opened the door yeah. to a lot of shit and and I would I would like to see that reversed. Mm-hmm. And 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 the sad thing is is that I don't think this is the pessimistic part of me which doesn't come up very much. I think that if we were going to right this wrong in the in a legislative way, which would again, because in a perfect world we would go, hey, let's solve the problem of the resources that people who live mm-hmm. with disabilities mm-hmm. need, so that they don't feel like this is necessary. That's yeah. the that's yeah. the best case scenario. Um, but the more accessible this becomes, the less people with disabilities are going to be around to make noise that. Yeah. The change is needed. Yeah. And so it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And if we were going to go, if, and if we were going to, to kind of close this, this door that we've opened, I would guess that the most likely scenario would for this whole thing to be axed and to go back to what we had before made was even available at all. Well, I, I think that the, I think the other really sad thing that we haven't mentioned here is that, um, is that, there are people who live with disabilities who are advocating for made to be ex- more accessible to them. And it's the people who have been so wronged by the system or let down by the system who are, you know, advocating for it and, and are not, a, a, not even aware that like, like they want made because their situation is so bad. Um, who are the, the, because there are voices in the disabled community 
who are like, give me made. I want, I, because I want to end my yeah. suffering. And it's those people that I feel the worst for who have been let down and think that that is their option mm. when really the better option is to do what Taylor, you mentioned is incredibly difficult to do, which is provide them with the action actual yeah. access to the help that they need. Yeah, I mean, like one of the quotes uh, that, you know, the, the quote that kind of ends this article, which I think really stands out is, in an era where we recognize the right to die with dignity, we must do more to guarantee the right to live with dignity. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where Canada's feeling. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that's a, that's a big bummer. I'd love to see, um, you know, <laughs> like what are the, if, if because it feels like, and, and not to like bring this back to my ADHD brain and the way, like thinking of all the steps involved, because it feels overwhelming to think of all those steps involved. But I'd love to see if there was a way to like know which factors are influencing the most amount of people. Like where, where is assistance required the most or where is help needed the most? To provide oh, these dude. types of services, yeah. I don't even think you could say the most. Okay, yeah. I, th- I think there's probably there's just so there's just many. so like, many. What are those areas? Like it feels it feels um, like talking about this problem. It feels so hard to basic solve income because, would be one, you right? Know, that, yeah. Like that's an easy one, right there. I mean, we heard about that in that other example about the um, that person who felt yeah. like you know they just didn't have enough money to I live mean, a, after long COVID. I mean, it, housing it, is yeah. like another. You like know, if you were going to if you were going to boil it down, it's money. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean yeah. it's money it's money that 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 grants access to the plethora of things that people would in a perfect world access have to, access, access to. to mental health care, you know, mm-hmm. like mental health care period. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you know. I'd love to speak to somebody who's working yeah on this yeah. because yeah. or at least like I hope that somebody's working on this. Yeah. Um let's uh let's turn things around make uh find something a little cuter here to talk about. Um uh this is uh I think this is just adorable and and pretty sweet. This is a palate cleanser. Um, it is a palate cleanser, yeah. XP so bad. All right. Uh-huh. Taylor's gonna go pee. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now, what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, we're back. Let's uh, cleanse the palate. Uh, the Restaurant of Mistaken Orders, a Tokyo restaurant where all the servers are people living with dementia. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis sent this. This is funny. <laughs> oh, I love this. Uh, if you've ever been to Japan, I haven't, but I can't wait. I haven't. Uh, you'll know that in Japanese restaurants, mistakes are not made. And on, to- on, and on the off chance that a mistake is made, even a trivial one, the lengths that proprietors will go to make things right with their customers must, in the eyes of the Westerner, be seen to be believed. But as its name suggests, the Tokyo pop-up restaurant of mistaken orders does things a bit differently. Is that what it's? Is that the name of the restaurant? It's called the Restaurant of Mistaken Orders. <laughs> Tiller, do you know what this is about? Uh, quote. Well, I mean, you, other than what he just said, I, <laughs> you might you might think it's crazy. Uh, a restaurant that can't even get your order right says its English indu- introduction page. All of our servers are people li- living with dementia. They may or may not get your order right. 
Un-Japanese, <laughs> though that concept may seem at first, it actually reflects re- uh, realities of Japanese society in the 21st century. Japan has an aging population with an already high proportion of elderly people, and that puts it on track to have the fastest growing number of prevalent cases of Alzheimer's disease. Whole towns have already begun to structure their services around a growing number of citizens with dementia. But the dementia itself remains, quote, widely misunderstood, says Restaurant of Mistaken Orders producer Shiro uh, Oguni in the concept movie of the top... um, at the top of this uh, article here, quote, people believe you can't do anything for yourself and the condition will often mean isolation from society. We want to change society to become more easygoing. So dementia or no dementia, we can live together in harmony. Some employees at the uh, restaurant of mistaken orders are in their middle age. Uh, some are in their 10th decade of life, but all seem to have a knack for building a rapport with their customers, a skill that anyone who has ever worked in front of house in a restaurant will agree is essential especially when mistakes happen. We see them deliver orders both correct and incorrect, but the diners seem to enjoy the experience either way. Quote, 37% of our orders were mistaken, the restaurant reports, but 99% of our customers said they were happy. Hmm. This, uh, this contains another truth about Chinese food culture that anyone who has eaten in Japan will acknowledge whatever you order, the chance of it being delicious is approximately 100%. Approximately. <laughs> so what do you guys think is the I love that. I would love to go to a restaurant where I'm like, I'm gonna order something and I have no idea what's coming. I know, but it, so I love that. okay, so uh, okay, so that's so you you're 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 up for the you're up for rolling the dice. Oh yeah, for sure. But if you really wanted something specific at this re- and you went to this restaurant and you were like, fuck, I really want that. Would you order something else and hope? No, if that's what came. Or no, would you order that? If I really wanted the statistically, fi- you should order it since it's only thirty-seven yeah. percent. But yeah, <laughs> if I really wanted it, and it and it came out, it wasn't my order. Then you probably yell. Uh, no, I'd probably just go. Like I would probably just see someone, someone who um, ordered what you who got? ordered what I got, and Trade when they put them? it down on their when they put it down on the table, I would go over. And tell them this is all part of the um, experience. I need you to get up and go take somebody else's seat, and just like make it like almost like it's a like a performance art piece. And then the, and and so you and, would sit with their table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would tell them, oh, this sorry, this is a part of the restaurant. We have a policy here, so I need you to go sit where I sat. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like, oh, oh, okay, yeah. Like, and all the servers would be too confused. They to, wouldn't know to say whether the, you're actually they, doing something or not. Yeah, they totally. They, yeah. yeah, they wouldn't. They they wouldn't remember. I mean, 33, 34% of them, of, of them wouldn't remember. Right. Taylor, you're, um, was sitting anyway. Taylor, you're so annoying to service professionals that you would, you would send your meal back at this place. What? You'd be yeah. pissed. Yeah. And then you'd only, you'd, and then Brian, even if you enjoyed the experience, yeah. you'd What's only tip, you'd only tip your max percentage, which would be 10%. What's frustrating about this is that, you know, that I am the 12% opposite of that. If they got the, the opposite the, of that, because right. I am somebody who would never ask a server a question at a restaurant, I look at a menu, I go, that's what I want, and that's it. And it takes yeah. two seconds. I think servers yeah. like but, that. But Brian is right about you not tipping. That's <laughs> no, it. I tip 15%. If it's fucking maybe, oh, regular. Maybe, if it's maybe, exceptional, maybe. you tip 15%. Yeah, if it's exceptional, that's a 15% tip. <laughs> hey, um, here's, uh, here's... You know what? Wait, I just want to say about the restaurant. Yeah. You know what be... The, so this seems really cute, and it seems like... It does. Like, like, hey, like 37% of the time they get the order wrong. Ha, that's okay. But 
don't you think there's a potential, like, it's not just that part of it that would be hard for them to do. Like, would they remember to come back to your table and fill up your water? Do they remember where you're even yeah. sitting? Do they, how do you pay for your bill? Like, do they charge you for what you got or for what you ordered? Do like, they charge you at all? It seems, yeah, right. Do yeah. they just leave and go, uh, wow. okay. You're going to have to travel I mean, to Japan. I mean, that's just the servers, right? So, like, I'm sure <laughs> there's other people working there that actually know what's going on. Like, like I doubt every employee of the entire building has dementia because it not. I feel like not a lot of it get done. But maybe. You know? The finance department, they have dementia. <laughs> probably, not, probably not dementia. Like, yeah, they're yeah, just like, maybe. Oh, we don't know. This is... <laughs> Ooh, where am I? Like, what, like, what, you know? I would love to go to that restaurant, though, and I think it is a really beautiful way to like um, to to spread awareness to something that like seems to be not really well um, well known, right? In, but it uh, also helps um, you know elderly people live healthy yeah. lives yeah, totally. into old age. Like yes. they, I mean, this is what you hear about um, like East Asian cultures is that um, is that they treat elderly people, they keep them part of their family yeah. and part of their community. Yeah. And like, you know, one of the things that, that we sort of get flack for in the West is that we, you know, box our old people up and put them in a home together. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and that has been shown to like quickly deteriorate their health over time. So yeah, yeah, it's uh it's cool that they're doing that. Yeah. And I think we can learn a lot from that. Um, here's uh, this week's what the hell. This is really cool. This uh, CNN put this out. Um, there were these uh, manuscripts, manuscripts from the uh, 15th and 16th century that were resurfaced, and they were medical manuscripts, and they revealed some gruesome medical remedies. How um, old were they? 15th and 16th century, medieval era. Uh, well, now nowadays you might have some chicken soup to fight a cold. A new project unearthing manuscripts from up to a thousand years old, uh, reveals the bizarre medical remedies recommended by those in the medieval era. The violence of medieval society is detailed in the recipes from gruesome animal derived treatments to advice on how to set broken bones or determine whether a skull has been fractured. The UK's Cambridge, Cambridge university library has launched the two year project to dig digitize catalog and conserve the more than 180 medieval manuscripts containing approximately 8,000 unedited handwritten medical recipes. That's so cool. Most of the manuscripts date to the 14th or 15th centuries, with the oldest being a thousand years old. Some are simple pocketbooks designed to be carried around and could have been made by medical practitioners themselves, according to a news release from the University of Cambridge Wednesday. The recipes typically comprise of a short series of simple instructions, similar to a modern-day uh, prescription or a cookbook. Uh, in the text, there are common ingredients that we are familiar with today, including herbs like sage, rosemary, thyme, and mint, as well as spices such as cumin, pepper, and ginger. However, there are also some questionable ones, particularly, particularly those deriving from animals. Are there spells? I feel like these sound spells. like spells. Okay, so if you got gout in the medieval times, one medieval treatment including inclu uh, involves stuffing a puppy, a puppy, stuffing a puppy with snails. A puppy, like a live dog. A live dog, stuffing a puppy with snails and sage, and roasting the animal over a fire. The rendered fat is then used to make an ointment. 
an alternative recipe, proposed salting an owl and baking it until it could be ground into a powder and mixed with boar's grease to make an ointment to rub onto the sufferer's body. I mean, they used what they had available to them. Yeah. Uh, what about cataracts? You got cataracts? Well, uh, uh, mix a, a, a rabbit's gallbladder with honey and apply it r- to your eyeball with a feather. Oh, fuck. Um, and then uh, this was a three-night course of treatment. So you do that over three I don't nights. understand how that... What the how fuck that, were they thinking? Because if you take a fucking dirty feather and put that <laughs> yeah, shitty yeah, yeah. ointment on it and rub it in your eye, the first time you do that... And the person gets a an eye infection yeah. that's ten times worse than whatever they had. They're like, yeah, but you aren't don't they have like, cataracts anymore, do you? Aren't they like this? <laughs> but this fucking thing didn't work. You know what's interesting about this is that, and I'm not shitting on it, is that we what, had to go through it. Is that what, like, what we do now for prescription drugs is just, is just it. it there's probably a lot of shit. I'm, you know, I'm speculating here, but there's probably a lot of shit in what they were saying. Like do this, but it was really like you actually need this like extremely. You don't need the owl, and you don't need the gallbladder, but you do need this like tiny little molecule that's in the gallbladder mixed with these other things Likely, that yeah. come from yeah. other live or plant based whatever things, and we're gonna put them together in a lab and then give you an effective totally. Treatment. But if you took a Tylenol and put it into dog shit and then fucking swallowed it you're gonna get sick no no i know no i know <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, well, but here, what i'm saying thing, is that what we do now is yeah. just like oh crazy specific we figured version out the thing that worked that. Yeah. well i so, so i'm gonna step in and say yes and no uh because <laughs> there's a fuckload of shit that was going on in the medieval times where no i know they yeah, was yeah. just made up no definitely. you know it was like i mean we were we were going i'm sorry you say you had a you had a dream last night about um about Someone sitting on your chest, and they're like, "Yeah, it's the fucking weirdest dream." And they go, "Witch, burner, burner, get her right <laughs> yeah. there, burner." She's a witch I'm for not sure. Saying, She's I'm a witch not for saying sure. That, I'm not saying that it was just like that. Everything was just Stuff waiting her with puppies, waiting to be specified. And then burn her. Yeah, I mean, like it, it just yeah, a lot of it was just fucking crazy. But uh, here's placebo. Some, placebo here's, works. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Here's uh, here's some images from some of these uh, some of these uh, manuscripts. This is one about bloodletting. So here's all the, uh, <laughs> the spots where you bloodlet. Looks like you tip, oh, cut the tip of the penis there for a little bit. actually uh-huh. did find out that bloodletting is still useful in a very specific... A very, very, very slim amount of things. They were bloodletting for everything. They were, like, they were yeah. like, you got a migraine? Here, come over here. A little drill a fucking hole in your head. <laughs> That's a dope diagram, though. Uh, here's one. This is What do you, guys, what do you think the, the, these flasks are filled with? Potions. Potions. <laughs> For sure. What are they? What's on top of them? Well, what's on top of them are um, is is the alien. So so each flask is filled with a liquid. The liquid is the same no matter what the color. They all just have different liquid colors. On the tops of those liquids, it it describes what the ailment is described from based on the color of the liquid that they are examining. Oh, it's like what do you a think test that kit. Is? Oh, nope. Pee. Urine. It is urine. Yeah. See, yeah. well, that's so so that's very insightful yeah. because we. We well, I don't know if we wouldn't I mean, do it. I, based, I, we wouldn't I, do it based on color. Yeah, but feces, no. we still we we like you can tell a lot by the Bristol chair. the Bristol stool chair. Yeah, you can tell yeah, a lot yeah, by like the consistency yeah. and the color of uh, of poop. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I fucking love that article. I thought it was great. I, I've been I've been listening to a, a podcast about um, about the medieval times right now, and it's 
It's fucking fascinating. Those, it's such th- a crazy time. Those manuscripts looked fucking cool, though. Like, I would love to, if oh, they're yeah. in the process of digitizing them, yeah. it'd be really fun for each one of us to flip through and find yeah. some really interesting and then perform, chart to, like, and then to like pick show one, one that we're going to perform on and one another. Yeah, that'd be cool, actually. We should try to Stuff we should a puppy with snails. <laughs> we should make and then roast it. Make some of that. And then render the fat and stick it up your asshole. That's they really crazy. how Fucking few crazy. how few fucks did medieval Dude, people give? None. It was like if you were to if you if, if we had a time machine, like like if you had a time machine, you know, you ask the question like if you had a time machine, like where would you go? I don't think anyone really has a fucking like I think a very very small amount of people have an actual fucking clue how hor- horrifically horrifying the medieval times would be to even just witness. Dude, like somebody goes, "Oh, I'd love to go to me- the medieval times and like watch and like see how they like get how how they like live their lives." I'd be like, "Oh, oh, you want to you just want to take a uh uh a, 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 a time traveling machine to hell?" That's what you want? Yeah. yeah. You just want to go to hell? Because it's not Cause like the movies. that's what Earth was. You, you know, like when... Um, no, God no. In it, like Army of Darkness, when uh, yeah, yeah, when yeah. Ash shows up back in the like medieval times and they're like, he's uh, he's magic. And they're like, they like revere him for like his magical skills. And, like he lights a lighter and they're like, fire. Whoa, that's crazy. They would just kill him. Yeah. yeah. But, like, even, be like, but, but, like, but even if you were, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even mean that. I mean, like, if you were able to go to a time machine and you're After in like they some talk sort of, to his boomstick. Yeah. <laughs> this is my boomstick. You're, you're in some sort of bubble and you can't be seen, but you can just witness. You can oh, just yeah. watch. It would be horrific. Yeah. It would be so. Do you guys know what, do you guys know what, um, uh, what being broken on the wheel was? <laughs> no. This is a, this is a, this is a, a form of execution in the medieval times. Breaking the wheel was another term for it. What they would do is um, the the executioner would uh, would tie you up on posts where your your arms and legs are extended out from your body, mm. right? So so you're tied, you're you're on the ground, you're you're starfished oh. out. Quarter? Oh uh, yeah. No 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 no. You're just you're just laying there flat out. They would take um, a giant wagon wheel, or 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 any other blunt object, but oftentimes they'd use like a giant wooden wagon wheel. And they would slam down on your, um, on your limbs, on your arms and your legs. They would crush the bones in your arms and legs to the point where your arms and legs now just resemble like the arms of a jellyfish or of an of a octopus. Like there's literally just mush. There's no more bone. Ew. They crush, 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 crush the bones. Right? So then they're not done. Then they untie you and they take you and they place you atop the wheel. So the wheel is on the ground. And it's got a bunch of spokes around it. They place your body on top of the wheel. You're still alive at this point. You're just in horrendous pain because all your bones and your arms and legs are dust. They lay you on the wheel and then they take your arms and the legs and they thread them up and over, down and up, down and up through the spokes (laughs) of the wheel. So now you're just pretzel tied to the spokes of this wheel with your torso just on the fucking on like like facing the sky and you look like some abominate like some um, like like alien type abomination and then they take the wheel and they p- place it on a fucking giant pole and they just kind of spin it and just leave you out there for days baking in the sun and you die several days later after just 
hanging you know out on the, this wheel. You know what the how craziest like, who thing? Who thought of that? Who yeah. was going? Let's. I got an idea. But you know See what? That big wheel there. Someone, so someone who so was the cra- so fucking It's crazy. not even the fact that somebody thought of it. It's that everybody was like, okay, sure. and, and not only that, every showed up. Everybody shows up <laughs> yeah, and they watched. start watching. And on top of this, this is a this is from a hardcore history with with uh, Dan Carlin. Um, while this person, like while people, there, there's there's you know accounts of people being broken on the wheel. And while they're having that happen to them, they are reciting and like singing hymns, religious hymns, and doing call and response with the audience. And the audience is like looking at this person being executed going, this guy gets it. This guy fucks. He's going to heaven because he's, he's yelling out to his, his creator while he's facing death. And we, we dig this guy. This is fucking cool. Let's sing with him. And he's just singing, and he's t- and then he's telling the executioner, he's, he's say, or the, the executioner, he's going, "Hey, this next verse, tell them I want them to sing it in Latin." And then, and then he's going, yeah, "All right, guys, sing it in Latin." He's he wants to sing it in Latin. They're and then doing they parcel just, tongue, dude. And it's like, shit, well, like, it's yeah. crazy. It's like, <laughs> and everybody was just like, "That was a good Monday." You know, like, what's something that is like that is um, that is overlooked today in the most in the most broad sense. I mean, because there are people out there that are living in hell for sure currently, but right now. It's the best. It's a good time to be alive. It's the best it's ever been. It's a good time to be alive. For the most amount of people, it's the best it's ever been. When you compare it to the medieval age. You know what? Suddenly, suddenly having ADHD paralysis isn't so bad. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like that meme? Do you feel like that meme that's like, that's like the big, the dog that's a body, that's like a bodybuilder. And he's like, I'm going to. Uh, like I'm gonna go out and fucking kill my meal tonight, and then it's like ten thousand years later, and it's like a little chihuahua that's like, mm, I ate, I ate, a, I ate something foreign, and my belly hurts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't seen uh, that. Uh, folks, uh, that's it. We're done. Um, so uh, support the podcast. Go to Discord. Uh, join the conversation there. Also, leave a rating or review wherever you're watching this and uh, or listening. And uh, tickets are on sale now. Vancouver, September 21st. Edmonton, September 19th. We can't wait to see you. It's going to be really fun. And uh, I think probably the thing that I would like to uh, get some feedback on from our listeners is the uh, BV part of the episode. Uh, I feel like it's a really heavily stigmatized thing that uh, not many people are talking about, even though it seems to be insanely common. So... uh, anonymously or non-anonymously if you want to reach out to us and let us know about uh, maybe a story or an experience or your life experience with bv then let us know at letters at sickboypodcast.com and if you want to be a guest on the show go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and fill out the form and if you're watching on youtube make sure you give us a like and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode and a huge thank you to jeff lonis who is our manager and to rich o'coin for the theme music we love you guys very much That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.